There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because whatever normal is, we don't want to be here. The part about being a same-sex couple and a same-sex family is kind of pushed to one side because we focus on, on that side. With Levi and Lucas, we don't mourn them as to the boys that they're not. We celebrate who they are um, and all those things that they can achieve. Some families have two dads and two sets of twins. <laughs> Hello, lovely listener, and welcome to Some Families. My name is Stu Oakley. And I am Lottie Jeffs, seeing as we're still saying our surname, Stu, very official. I'm Lottie Jeffs. Um, Hello and welcome. If you're new, then we are Some Families. We're a podcast for the LGBTQ plus parenting community. And this podcast aims to support families and answer all of the questions that you might have, whether you're embarking on the parenting journey yourself or you are just curious about it. But if you have been listening, thank you very much and get ready because we have a great episode coming up today. Yeah, in this episode, we've got Paul and Michael, who are the Atwell Dryce family. They live in Yorkshire. They've been married for 12 years. They have two sets of identical twins, Levi and Lucas, who are now teenagers, but also Lance and Lotan, who are now three. Levi and Lucas, however, have very severe autism and epilepsy. So Michael and Paul are big advocates of raising awareness for disability, autism and adoption, specifically LGBTQ plus adoption. Yeah, I love speaking to them, Lottie, because they had such an amazing spirit. I think they are what the word resilience was actually written for. They have had so much thrown at them. Paul himself was adopted And I really found it interesting hearing his experience from being an adoptee to then becoming an adoptive father himself as well. And on top of that, they are foster carers as well, which like, core blimey. They are incredible. We really hope that you find this as inspiring an interview as we did. So let's roll tape and listen to Michael and Paul, who we spoke to via video conferencing as we are still in damn lockdown. We've started with fostering first just to see like how it would fit with having a child with us and things like that, see how it would work out. So I grew up in foster care myself. So I was adopted when I was seven years old into a a really big family. So I kind of, we have, we're very open about our experiences in life and what we've been through. Wow. What was your experience? Oh, great. 
absolutely wonderful. So my adopters are my parents. You know, they are the people that brought me up into life, taught me how to be, uh, taught me to be proud of who I am, you know, and and they're my heroes, you know. They really are my heroes. I, I, I love them dearly. I'm very aware of my history prior to that, to being adopted and living in foster homes and children's homes. And there weren't positive experiences at all. But it is what it is. Nobody has the perfect family. Don't care who they are. Nobody has a perfect family. And the, the, that perfect family just does not exist. Mm. You know, it just doesn't, does it? So could you guys just talk a bit more about fostering um, and just how how long do you have the kids in living with you for? Does it really vary? And what's that process like? I think we've fostered about over 20 children now, haven't we? And originally, so while we were having Levi and Lucas with their problems as well, we only were doing short term for quite a few years, about 10, 12 years we were doing short term. So we had a lot of like newborn babies, um, male and female from special care and just pre-adoption work. So we'd get them ready to be adopted, we'd meet the adopters, do all the introductions and then move them on. And we did that for quite a few years more recently. Um, we've got two boys at the moment and they're long term um, because they're older when they come to us and there weren't many options for them so they're, we're finding it difficult to find them a placement won't they um, so they're just kind of settled in with us and I think we've had the boys now is it about four years yeah they Time moved in with you four that. years ago and th- do you kind of feel like a difference in the dynamic with the kids that you're that you've adopted and who are your children and the ones that you're fostering and who you're probably really conscious of the fact that they're going to be adopted by someone else no so so the two boys we currently have in who are foster children who are in placement they won't be going for adoption because of their age and because of previous situations and stuff so uh, they will be living with us until they go on to semi-independence i think with the two boys that we've got now, once they get to a certain age, sometimes it's difficult to get them adopted. So, How old are they? Um, well, one's 16 now and one's 13. Right. They came into care when they were about five and eight, I think. And it's really difficult to get that age group adopted. So that they were decided that after trying to get them adopted and not nobody came forward for them, that they'd go in long-term foster care, which is what they're in now. Yeah, what's that like as a, as a parent, as then to be a foster carer and like are you having to kind of um measure your your love for them in a way in our advice and our experience parenting a child that's in foster care is is different to parenting your own children absolutely because the children that are in foster care they still have those relationships with their own parents so where they're upfront with the children we look after right you know where they're clear saying you know, we are not your parents. We're not here to take the role and replace your parents. It's just where you are here so we can look after you the best way we can and make sure all your needs are met whilst you can still see mum and dad. And we're not here to take that place whatsoever. Okay, yeah. The children that we've looked after, like short-term, the babies, some of them like from birth are now like, 
14 year old and we've kept in touch with a lot of them when they've been adopted and it's really nice to like meet up with them and the parents like we normally do it a lot at christmas don't we and things like that <laughs> you must have a lot of people to send christmas cards to christmas is that that stage where you think you've bought everybody a christmas present and then people are like hi guys we really want to come and catch up and you're like oh no <laughs> Forgot. That's great. <laughs> when do you want to come? I think that is one of the positives that comes out of the care system. You know, from my experience, I, I've i adopted three children and we keep in contact with their foster foster parents and they have become our extended family. I, I mean, it, it was always difficult, but the last one was particularly difficult. They were particularly attached to him. And it was very upsetting time for them when it was time to hand him over to us. And so we said to them at the time, you are part of our family now. You have been such a huge part of my son's life from his, his from his birth that you are now part of our family. So don't ever forget that. And so, so to go back to what I was saying, I just think sometimes one of the, the real positives, I mean, there's lots of positives that come out, is that you kind of create this extended great family that has lots of different elements and lots of different dynamics. And I, and I, and I applaud you guys because I mean, having four children anyway, but then having to foster children on top of that as well. I mean, bravo. You know, we have met some amazing people throughout our fostering career and some of our closest friends are people that have adopted children that we fostered. Yeah. And those relationships are just so special because it's such a private knowledge between the both of you on the early years of that childhood, isn't it? And I just think it forms such great friendships. Mm. And there's been many children we have fostered where we've actually thought, is this the child we should adopt? And it's been so hard that... It's been one of the hardest things because, yeah. you, you know, we, we've had these conversations with uh, social workers before and thinking, is this the child that we should adopt, you know, and have with us forever? And those decisions are so difficult, you know, and because we're not machines, we're not robots, we're all human beings. You know, when you foster children, you the emotional attachment you have with them is something else because of the trauma that they've been through in their lives, mm. their early years, and how you have to try and teach them how life is going to be and how to love, how to interact with others, just how to be proud of who they are. And I always say to the kids, especially the older kids we fostered, never feel embarrassed about being in foster care. And this is where my early years of being in foster care, because I talk about it all the time with them. I say, it doesn't make you any less a person to anybody else. I said, in this world, nobody is better than anybody else whatsoever. It's about learning to really be proud of yourself and love yourself. And then when you can do that, people will really love From a you. fostering point of view, have you, as two, as two gay men in a same-sex relationship okay. have you ex- <laughs> so, sorry <laughs> me dear sorry we didn't like we don't like to see you <laughs> who said we were gay <laughs> but as 
as two men in a relationship, have you, what's your experience like been fostering? Has there, especially when you're in, you're welcoming maybe slightly older children into your home, is there anything you've experienced negatively, positively? It's been great because we've just been ourselves from day one. We've been, we, we haven't tried to be anybody we're not. You know, we've just been very open about who we are. And it's also, it's been very positive for the birth families if they have a child who's living with us and suddenly they can't look after the children themselves, especially with the mothers, because we talk to them about there's no female figure in our house. We're not here to take the place of you. You know, we're not here to take the place of dad. All we're doing is looking after your children until the time is right. We're not here to replace you whatsoever. I think that's the thing with farm strangers, isn't it? Because especially like years ago, we thought we would have had problems, uh, parents saying we don't want our children looked after by a same-sex couple, or the children would come in and think it was strange two men looking after them, but it's never really been an issue, has it? Because we don't make it an issue, do no, we? No, they've always just come here and you're living with Paul and Michael and this is the house and blah, 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 and it's just been like a, anything else. It's never been a problem, that has it? And, no. and that's great to, and I think that's great to hear and something we really want people who may listen to this podcast to really take on board. And I think the more and more people we speak to and the less and less, homophobia or even ignorance that they've had shown towards them I feel is a very positive message that people should take on board when they're looking at starting their family. Biggest ignorance we ever experience is to do with Levi and Lucas that is and their needs and that's why we advocate for all those avenues we can break down those barriers because basically it's just about people not having a clear understanding on how things work. That's all it is. And the more we can be very open, the more we can educate people, basically. Mm. How many years ago was it that you welcomed Levi and Lucas into your into your home? So it was um, 2008, wasn't it? We'd, got, we'd just got added civil partnership in May 2008, and then we started the process then for adoption. Levi and Lucas joined us in 2008. It were a few days before Christmas, wasn't it? Mm. And because we were already um, registered foster carers, the assessments and things weren't as bad because we'd already... Everything we're up to date with CRB checks and everything like that. So that side of it were pretty straightforward, mm. wasn't it? Boys were two-year-old at the time um they came to us with developmental delay so we just thought they'd be a little bit behind because they were twins and they were premature that they might just be like a little bit delayed and they'd catch up i mean levi and lucas were premature at 26 weeks 26 weeks wow you know so from the moment they were born they really really had to fight Talking about Levan Lucas is always quite emotional for us because they are the most inspirational individuals I will ever, ever know. We watched your video of you dancing with it with Levi or Lucas to downtown. Levi. Levi to downtown. And I was sitting at my computer in floods of tears today. And the love that you can see between you between you all. Well, the, the journey we're on with Levi and Lucas is just a roller coaster. It's either really high 
or it's really low. And a lot, a lot of the lows are due to the epilepsy, not their autism. Their autism is who they are. We would never, ever change who they are. We love the fact that they have autism and they behave in different ways. That's all we've ever known about them. Levi and Lucas are not autism. They're our sons. The, the, down, the sad parts for the boys is their epilepsy. Absolutely, without a doubt. So, yeah, Levi's always been the worst with his epilepsy. Levi, he's been ventilated before on life support and he's been in the recess room quite a few times, like, where we couldn't get him out of a seizure despite having, like, rescue medications and things at home. He's just been trapped in a seizure for, like, up to an hour where they then ended up having to put him to sleep just to stop a seizure. But as a parent, to be in that situation where your child is on a ventilator, life support machine, and everybody involved is saying they're doing everything they can. That moment, imagine how you feel when you hear that. Mm. And it was two o'clock in the morning, wasn't it? And you, you the just, first time, yeah. You just cannot believe what, what you're facing. And I think mm. ever, since from, ever since from that moment, it completely changed us as people without a doubt. It was Lucas first that started with his seizures. So then there were that. And then not long after that, Levi started. And in them early years, we were just absolutely exhausted because they weren't sleeping with their autism. Then they were having seizures throughout day. And then there were appointments with, like, neurologists and OTs, physiotherapists, speech therapists, and it just, like, was so overwhelming, wasn't it, in the early years? We were just exhausted. And then as the years go on, it's just, like, becomes a normal part of life, so you get used to it. So we do... There is, like, a lot of sleep deprivation when Levi's up through night. We, we're just not sleeping in general. Um, or constantly being on edge, any bang or noise you hear, you think that they're having a seizure mm. and you just rush out straight into their room. So we are, like, on eggshells all the time, aren't we? So do you guys feel like almost the fact that you're same-sex parents is completely sort of um, negated by the fact that your parents to children with very specific needs and epilepsy and autism? Like, Yeah, you know? so I think that's what... Like we Instagram and stuff, but we we have we focus on like the disability side and the campaigning mm-hmm. for different treatments and supporting different charities like National Autistic Society, Epilepsy Action, and different children's charities. So mm-hmm. the the part about being a same sex couple and a same sex family is kind of pushed to one side because we focus on on that side of it, don't we? Because we don't really side. have much time to to talk about those kind of things because that's about us. Yeah. And the needs of us are always at the back. It's always about the needs of the kids. So when it's anything to do with us two as people, we don't really talk much about that because not that we're we're forgotten about as individuals. Sometimes we are, absolutely. Sometimes we are as a couple, absolutely. But, you know, the the needs of the children in our family are quite high. Mm. And so they're so time-consuming as well. Have you ever experienced any um, homophobia or anything that's made you feel uncomfortable in a medical situation with all of the different appointments and things you're taking the kids to? Are you having to sort of explain yourself every time? Or We've had, um, in the early years, because um, 
a lot of people know of us now. We don't get it. But in the early years, absolutely we have. From, it could be uh, some a medical member of staff that doesn't know us, doesn't know the boys, and they will say, oh, where's mum? Mm. For me, it makes me feel like somebody's just stuck the knife in and twisted it. That's how mm. it makes me feel that at that moment in time. Because I just think, you know, I would never just presume if a, if a dad has come in with a child that it will be living with a female. And also it's the implication of like, is this not enough? Are we not enough? Like, what are we yeah. doing that's making you think that there's something missing here? The team that they're working with now, they've been working with for years and they do have a, a good medical team with the neurologists and the consultants and stuff now. They are really good. We, was like, um, we had some videos done for the boys for the birthday. Um, different people did different videos and their consultant and all the nurses and stuff did one, didn't they, from the hospital and like, what's, what's up to over happy birthday song, which were really nice, wasn't it? That's lovely. And the whole dance, the whole dancing daddy videos with Levi <laughs> just happened by pure mistake. So because... You are a very talented dancer, I must say. Okay. So, I like the little bits at the end where it's like you just like, suddenly you're just so, like soloing for a moment. Because Levi and Lucas are non-verbal as well, so there's no spoken language. There was one day, it happened just by mistake, I put the music, I actually think he was a bit of Jay McDonald, and then suddenly this boy just came to life and all I was doing was just dancing past him thinking he wouldn't engage with me. He must have been thinking, oh, God, he's at it again. But he sud- it was like a light bulb moment came to life. How old was he? He's done it since we were about eight, and he started really enjoying it. And at first, I just thought, oh, it's a fluke. He must have been happy about something else. You tend to put a song on, don't you, in kitchen quite loud, and, and now he just automatically jumps in the same place in kitchen at work, so I don't it. And then he, he likes to dance around with you, but then he gets back on the worktop and he's just flapping around so happy and he just loves it, doesn't he? I did a video on one of our socials quite recently where I was doing a live video saying I was going to be dancing with Levi. Uh, Levi was on the couch just doing his iPad, very quiet, sombre. And then I put the music on because I wanted everybody to see his reaction. Well, he does. And he just charged straight into the kitchen, straight onto the worktop. Beaming into. And he just sits there, and then I have to do all the work. Aww. And he still wants me to pick him up and spin him around. Like his two. Like his two-year-old, and I love it. But I'm getting Aww. older, I'm getting tireder. <laughs> He's getting longer and heavier. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. 
code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And I guess that must be so sweet that the two, the, the twins do have different personalities as well. Like they're not both defined by their labels as autistic or no. they're not both defined by their labels as twins. They've both got their own interests and personalities and that's so important, isn't that it? That is really true. And um, although they're like completely different boys, they, they do like different things. When one of them is poorly or Levi's been took into hospital, the like the change in Lucas, he just goes so sombre, doesn't he? And he knows something's not right and it just changes altogether. The, the special like bonding connection they have, because they are nonverbal, but sometimes they'll just randomly chase each other around laughing their heads off, weren't they? We just we just celebrate everything they do, you know. We don't with Levi and Lucas. We don't mourn them as to the boys that they're not. We celebrate who they are and and all those things that they can achieve. That sounds like that's some really really good advice to other parents, potentially in a similar situation of of just changing your expectations and not comparing yourself to others and and just celebrating the moment and celebrating who they are and what they can personally achieve rather than setting yourself against other people that must feel so freeing once Mm. you've realized I think for any parent as well any parent out there regardless of their children's circumstances to to not compare to others is is such a rich piece of advice I would say Mm. Mm. It does. It doesn't. That that has took us years to get to that stage, hasn't it? You know, we don't ha- compare them to what other people do or anything, and that has been our turning point in our lives, hasn't it? Yeah, because like with Christmases and things like that, Lucas would just be happy with a bouncy ball, like he would play with any other day. It's like we, we've learned that now, haven't we? That there's no point buying him loads of presents and loads of toys because the specifically interested in certain things. It was Paul's birthday the other week and just seeing Levi scribbling on his card, just doing some mark making, like he's 14, but he was just so happy just to to squiggle on it, you know, just to to mark make on the card and he got it all over the table and everything, but he was really enjoying it. It's but, those moments we celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah. Something that I've always found really interesting about the adoption process and something that is a, allows a kind of a moral kind of questioning of oneself and a questioning with your partner if you're adopting with a partner. My husband and I, when we went through the adoption process, we put down that we didn't think that we would be able to look after a child that had severe disability. Okay, so you know from that, and I've really been wanting to say yeah. this to you guys, because what we say to everybody yeah. out there is we never ever thought about disabilities, special needs or anything, on paper, mm-hmm. to look at Levi and Lucas now, and if they were up for adoption, most people would go, oh my God, no way could we cope with that. We didn't know anything 
the journey that life would take. Then obviously later on down the line when they were presenting with these behaviours, with their autism, they weren't speaking, they are still in nappies, etc. It was too late because we loved them for who they were. We were like, we had to just grab this mm. by the balls now and just go with it. And that's exactly what we've done. It was, it's just too late. I suppose it's like any biological parent yeah. that discovers their child has additional needs at, at different stages of their lives, you know, whether or not you're adopting or you've biologically had that child. Once that child's your child, you're all in, right? Absolutely. You're going with it, whatever happens. Yeah. We see adoptions break down and children that have been placed, being placed for adoptions, they've done all the introductions, they've moved in. And then the adopters have said and, and sent them back and how damaging that is for the child. We've, we've seen that happen so many times, haven't we? Especially when, you know, there is such a large percentage of children yeah. who are in the care system that do have additional needs. A lot through a lot through the trauma that they've been through and who need the therapeutic parenting and need particular needs in the parenting I think it's having that awareness that there could always be something along their developmental journey. Yeah, that you're not going to pick up on a form in the beginning, but, you know, human beings aren't... It doesn't work like that being human, does it? You're not going to know, like, to tick a form. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing with epilepsy, that people think that you just get it when you're born, or but you can develop it at any age. We've had loads of nights where we've cried, don't get me wrong. We, we went through a stage in the early years with Levi and Lucas where we felt very resentful towards the world because why should they have to cope with all this? Why should they have to deal with all this? They're only mm. children. You know, they're, mm. they're only children. All, mm. all those emotions we've gone through, absolutely. And especially when they were like two, three-year-old and we'd take mm. them out and we'd just be going around the supermarket and... They make different sounds, sudden noises and loud noises and people had passed comment, oh, they're naughty, you need to get them children under control, this, that, other. And we'd had enough of that at one point, haven't we? And we started to, like, withdraw and not want to take them out as much and we'd find ourselves staying in house a lot. And we did that for quite a while, didn't we? For we thought, we can't just keep hiding away because this is who the boys are. They're going to make different noises. They're going to have sudden outbursts. It's part of who they are, and I don't know what triggered us, but we just said we're just going to get them out there and get on with life. And do you feel that a lot of people are saying that because they feel that they're just they they're misbehaving? They don't understand their autism needs. The the issue with Levi and Lucas, um, for those that are not as educated on disabilities and special needs and all those kind of things, is to look at Levi and Lucas from a visual point of view. They are absolutely beautiful, handsome children. And to look at, you don't see any disability. And that's what we're all about. You know, talking about the invisible disabilities. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you've got a child who sadly has got cerebral palsy, absolutely you can see that disability, you know, straight away. But for somebody with autism and epilepsy, like Levi and Lucas, you will just see a handsome, beautiful young boy. You won't know anything behind that whatsoever. And society does really need to change more about this. Absolutely. People mm. people do need educating. Mm. 
you know, more about the invisibility, the invisible disabilities. You know, people say to us, and um, we've had this before, do you wish they were normal? You know, if there's one word we hate is normal, because we just say, well, what is normal? I hate it. Yeah, absolutely hate it. Because me too. What is normal? Yeah. Because whatever normal is, we don't want to be it. You guys are just such um, incredible, inspirational parents. And you must hear this a lot, I'm sure. But you must be so proud of your kids and what you've achieved. Don't make me cry. <laughs> Don't make me cry. <laughs> Don't make me cry. Um, we, we're, no, we're no better than anybody else. We're just parents in this that have children that have got extra needs. And we have to do our best we can for them. Because that's what every parent should do. It's really hard, we know, because we get a lot of messages on different pages from uh, people with disabled children, especially single mums or dads. That's when it's really, really tough because they've got nobody to turn to. And the fight you have as a parent to a disabled child, it's constant mm. from the minute they're born. You're fighting for different equipment. You're fighting for different specialists. You're fighting for different drugs. You know, the NHS is wonderful, but the restrictions that's put on, it's all financial and it's a constant battle to get the right equipment and, and the right medications mm. all the time. It were only last year we were doing it to get Levi on the new cannabis treatment that had come out um, on the NHS and we like campaigned for a year for that to get Levi on that. It, despite how like, severe his epilepsy is, it was such a battle, wasn't it, to get him that medication and he's been on it, I'd say about nearly a year now and sadly it's not been as as good as what we thought has it mm. but we knew that but from day one your general day-to-day -day life is is challenging in so many ways how do you have fun we have so much laughter in this house what gets us through life is laughter and being able to laugh at ourselves as well and laugh at the world around us i'd say like the first eight ten years we were like hermits weren't we we were in every single night because we still are people people <laughs> people were scared to look after the boys because of their epilepsy which we understood last few years we've got a better social life haven't we because my sister helps out and stuff so we can go to like concerts and stuff like that if we need because she's been training the epilepsy and she's comfortable with it absolutely you then you've adopted two more children correct lance and loton what what kind of led to that decision and you know and and just talk us a little bit about briefly about that that process if it was up to michael michael would keep adopting we, we'd be like maria von trapp <laughs> <laughs> and um michael would have loads the michael would have the house full of kids and um and it's me that says oh michael no that's it <laughs> And did you find the did you find the process different? So the process for Lotus and Lance, I think I struggled with it more. And the reason to that is because we'd already been through it. I think what happened with Lotus and Lance, the, we knew they were going to be born. So obviously, because we we were foster carers, we knew they were coming into the system. And certain like social workers in our authority knew we were always keen to have another set of twins. They were going to be put in as early permanence placements. And we always said that from day one, if we ever do it again, we'd want them straight from birth. 
And so we were quite privileged that we were registered carers and we could have that option of having them straight from birth. So, but it, there were a lot of chats, weren't there? A lot of talking with different friends and family and is it the right thing to do or is it too much? Should we do it? And that went on for like weeks, didn't it? If anything happens to us too, who's going to be there for Levi and Lucas as well? All those thoughts, you know, as everybody would talk about it. We heard about these two babies that were identical twin boys again. And we always said, how amazing would it be to have four children, two sets of identical twins? And so we made that decision. We went through the assessment. Um, you know, the assessment for adoption, to keep it real, it's very thorough. At times it can be intrusive. We're not going to lie. We won't sugarcoat it. Mm-hmm. But I think when people ask us what's the adoption process like, all we say to people is, you have to see it as almost like your own private therapy session. That's a great way. That is a great way of putting it. It it, it gives you the opportunity to sit and talk and, and work out who you are as a couple as well and as a family. We recently adopted our third child and we got grilled, like really grilled about how, yeah. how on earth are we going to cope with three children so were you really challenged about how you would be able to focus on these two new children with I, two I, children who are ready, who take up like an inordinate amount of time? The social, a lot of the social workers knew us and they'd work, they'd been working with us and are still working with us because we're still foster carers. So knew how we worked as a family. And I think a lot of them did believe in us as well. So that actually did work to our advantage to some extent, didn't it? Mm. It wasn't a case yeah. of working with somebody who's doing a Form F or yeah. whatever, an adoption assessment, trying to take new adopters to panel, to approval panel. Um, because we'd been working with all these people and these departments in the local authority for many years as well, with our fostering alongside, That I think that did really help. I think one thing was brought up by one certain manager, wasn't it, that we would have to stop fostering once we adopted the babies. Which I was furious about um, because when they said this to us, I was so angry at this. They pulled us in for a meeting and they said, guys, because obviously the children, um, if you adopt these two babies, we would have to look at whether you could still foster alongside. I said, hang on a moment. I said, so if we were a straight couple and my wife gave birth, to two children, to two, to a set of twin children, would you then say to me I couldn't foster anymore? So, and then their attitude changed. <laughs> well, good for you for saying that. And I think it's important to stand up for those for those kind of things because it is that, I think it's, in, it's internalised homophobia in a lot of instances. Heterosexual couple could be foster carers. Uh, they could be having their own children. And get pregnant. They'd never get quizzed. They'd either. never get questioned about whether they could still foster or not. So how dare they do that to us? We met them at the hospital. They were in special care. Then we spent time going to see them, going back to them. And then we brought them home. They'd been with us about two weeks. And this is a situation which I'm really open about. Um, I used to say to Michael, and they're beautiful boys and we love them dearly. They were in our house, and I used to say to Michael, oh, God, I don't feel... how. What did he used to say? 
that you didn't you didn't know if you could love them as much as Levi and Lucas. Because my love for Levi and Lucas is just so strong. And the bond. And the bond. I'll, and, you know... You were quite worried about it, weren't you? And I was really worried about it. The more I wasn't talking about it... About the more, attachment. Yeah, the more I was getting concerned about it and my attachment would my attachment be there because how strong the love is for Levi and Lucas. And then over time it started to disappear. And then one day I said it to one of our friends who's got three children of her own, married to a husband. I said to her, I says, I have to ask you, you know, when you had your second or third child, how did you feel? Did you feel like you were worried in case you, you wouldn't, what, what would I say? In case you wouldn't love them as much as the other one or the attachment. And she says, yeah. I says, well, that's how I felt <laughs> with Lotan and Lance. And she turned around and says, Every parent feels the same. I very much felt like that when we had our son coming to us. He was the biological sibling of our two children. Yet I was so concerned that I was like, am I going to love him as much as the other two? See, that's how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. And I have no of those feelings now, by the way. So, and because obviously I love them and there are children, and I'm proud of them. And it was probably heightened for you as well, in the sense of the amount of care that you do have to give the old boys. Like, you have to give them so much of you and your attention and your love that I can 100% see why you'd have that that concern that would you be able to share that with another two? Absolutely. And I was just so pleased I was very open about that because now I talk about it, there's lots of mothers out there who say yeah I felt exactly the same when I had my second child I thought could I love this as much as my first child Paul I have one quick question for you yeah so as a as a former adoptee can you give me one piece of advice for me as a father of adopted children just to let I would always say let the child do the talking about their experiences um, let them bring all that up in their time and when they do really then start to dig deep into that but I wouldn't do it if they're not talking to you about it because when I was when I was in foster care when I was young people used to try and talk to me about it and I would close up and what I've learned over the years is the more I talk about it the more people ask questions, the more I can then go deeper into it myself without even realising. Nice. Well, thank you for that, Paul. I will take That's that great advice. for sure. That, that is, is great, great advice. advice. Wow. Um, Michael and Paul are pretty damn amazing people, if you ask me. Um, wouldn't you agree, Lottie? I mean, totally. But what I liked about them was that they kind of refused to accept that. And they just were like, well, we're just doing what anyone would do in our situation. Yeah. You know, they're not sort of putting themselves on a pedestal or or thinking that they are anything exceptional when to people like us, you know, they absolutely are. I'm just so pleased that there's people like that who are parents in the world. I'm so, so grateful for people like them. Yeah, they're, they are incredible. And if you haven't, then do go and watch some of their videos on Facebook and Instagram because 
the videos of Paul dancing with their son. It's really beautiful. It had me in tears. Even though the their um, sons are nonverbal with autism, you can just see the love from Levi for his daddy. Like it just is radiating from him, and his eyes are just like sparkling when he's dancing with him, and it's just beautiful to see. So, and I think their approach to labels as well, I think, is really refreshing because I mean, if you do look into it, Levi and Lucas do have, you know. The, the labels they have, they're adoptive, they're identical twins, they have a disability, they have gay dads. And it's all about just breaking through that. And whilst they are nonverbal, it's about allowing them to have their own individual personalities and identities. And you can feel that Michael and Paul really, really give them that. And that's also incredibly inspiring. Yeah, it, I think as well for me, it really um, highlighted the the sort of Instagram spectrum of gay parenting and the fact that like they're using social media for a real purpose to advocate for awareness of disabilities and to sort of make people a bit more aware of difference and and what different families are going through behind closed doors and I think that that's that's so important you know how the label for them as gay men how that label doesn't even really factor into their lives um it's given me a lot to think about I feel like I need to kind of go away and like process everything Mm. that they talked to me about because I think it's really really affecting and um just puts a lot of things into perspective this has been such a, a kind of amazing eye-opening experience for me recording this podcast with you Stu and every episode I just learn so much more about different people's experiences and it makes me think so much more about my own experiences of being a mother and and what I want from my family and it's yeah it's just been great so um, thanks. The Atwell Bryce family you need to follow them on their social channels Uh, But I would also encourage people to follow and support Epilepsy Action, which is the charity that Michael and Paul talked a lot about as well. You can actually find them at www.epilepsy.org.uk. And in this time of um, uncertainty for a lot of charities, I really urge you to go out and support Epilepsy Action if you've listened to this episode today. Yeah, and also follow us on social media if you would be so kind. <laughs> We're on Instagram at Some Families Pod, um, or you could email us, somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk. As always, we want to hear from you. We want to share everyone's story. So, as ever, it's been a real pleasure to um, speak to you over the phone today. Sadly, we're still not back in the studio yet, but um, we will uh, reconvene this time next week, Stu. We will do. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the day, evening, morning, week, year, whenever. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.